Welcome to Leading with Grace. I'm your host, Jen Reimer, leadership expert, speaker, and coach. And I'm here to help you experience a new way to thrive as a female leader in work and in life. This is where we break free of outdated societal paradigms and subconscious programming to help you tap into your intuition and step into your feminine power so that you can lead with grace and courage. Every week, we're going deep with experts and insights to help you experience those epiphany moments that change everything. You'll reconnect with your innate wisdom and lead the way women were intended to naturally, powerfully, and gracefully. Let's begin. Hi, I'm so excited to be here today with a solo episode that was inspired by a question from my friend. I was talking about this podcast and she asked, so why don't women lead with grace? There are many reasons. But to zero in on one for today, I have a question for you. Do you find yourself running around like crazy at the office? Or maybe you work from home. You feel like you're spinning all day, going from one meeting to the next, running into the bathroom in between. And if you get a spare hour, you're just sort of quickly checking emails or dealing with some urgent problem. If this is you you might be affected by the paradigm I'm talking about today. And it's a paradigm that is one of the biggest culprits keeping women bumping up against the glass ceiling. I call it masculinizing. And I'm not talking about physiological masculinizing, where we would introduce male characteristics physically to a person. I'm talking about subtle ways in which many women present themselves in workplaces with more masculine behaviors than would be true to themselves. And their work ethic is more masculine than feminine. So let me explain this. In short, because women are trying to work in a man's working world, they subconsciously strive to show masculine behaviors to prove that they're worthy, to prove that they can keep up, that they're just like men. And of course, acknowledging how far we have come Workplaces today are based on the foundations of a male work ethic and male behaviors. We can't change that. That's the way it started. So how this kind of came to light for me was I spent my corporate career in boardrooms with more men than women. I was in sales for the most part, which tended to attract, at least in my industry, more men than women. And then women seem to gravitate a little bit more towards marketing roles. But there were always more men in sales. And I also worked for an alcohol beverage company and then later a beer company. And you can imagine that that would attract more men than women. So I was always in these situations where I was outnumbered in terms of gender. And if you've been in this situation as a woman, you'll know it can be difficult I remember walking out of a meeting where I was leading it and my one of my female employees was the only other woman in the room. And as we walked out, she said, Jen, how do you do it with all those men? And at the time, I took pride in the fact that I could handle it. I kind of saw myself as being one of the guys, 
we joked around. Sometimes they were inappropriate and I just joked back. That's another podcast topic and potentially. And I held my own in meetings. Even when I looked at my wardrobe, it was full of dark colors. No pink, no ruffles, and definitely no floral was in my wardrobe. I was all dark because I was trying to exude a masculine energy to keep up. So some examples, I was trying to be more assertive all the time. I was trying to show that I was action-oriented and results-focused because those were always the traits that were sought after in the workplace. I focused on fact-based decisions. I tried to always present my arguments in a logical fashion. And I basically pushed down my feminine strengths, like my intuition, my emotions. I hid those away like like it was nobody's business. I was not going to show emotions at work, unless, of course, it was anger and explosiveness, because that did happen a few times. So what this comes down to is the energy. So I'm going to dig deeper into masculine versus feminine energy. And this is what so many women were doing at work was trying to embody a masculine energy. Every person on this planet has both masculine and feminine energies in their body or in their aura. And if you're born into a female body, you probably have more feminine energy than masculine. Although that's not always the case, of course. And that's why we honor masculine, feminine, LGBTQ+, because those are all different mixes of this masculine and feminine energy. Shades of gray. And I want to give you a couple of examples of how these come into play in the workplace. But first, let me explain the difference between masculine and feminine energies. Masculine energy is all about doing, whereas feminine energy is about being. So the masculine is about action and logic and thinking, whereas feminine energy is about surrender. It's emotional and feeling. Masculine energy is about producing and also consuming, whereas feminine energy is about creating. And finally, masculine energy is about, it's linear, whereas feminine energy is cyclical. So let me dig deeper into a couple of these with some examples. So first, and this is one of the biggest problems we have in workplaces today that is keeping women exhausted and burnt out. And that is masculine energy is linear. So it comes from a male physiology, which is more linear They work on a 24-hour clock. And yes, women have a 24-hour clock too, but our bodies work on a 28-day cycle, as you know. Our energy waxes and wanes every month. Most of us have less energy when we're having our period or, or just before. And we feel the most connected and social when we're ovulating. So what does this mean for the way that we work? especially if we're trying to masculinize, workplaces work on a masculine clock. We are expected to be on every day. And this can work for men, but for women, it can be detrimental. We don't allow for rest when we need it. I know I used to even look down on women who couldn't handle it when they had their period. Imagine, I wasn't 
teaming up with women, I was looking down on them. The women who were doubled over in the bathroom in an open concept office, pounding back the high potency painkillers, trying to hide their pain, push through it. So think about it. How productive is that woman during that time? And in the days after when she's trying to recover it from it. Historically, and this is in cultures around the world, women took rest and often isolated themselves when they were menstruating. I practice a form of Ashtanga yoga where women are meant to take a few days off during their period. And guess how women, how many women in my studio had trouble doing that? For a couple of years, I practiced anyways, because I couldn't allow myself to rest when I needed it. I just thought, no, I'm just going to push through. I'm fine. I need to practice yoga. I'm disciplined. So Kate Northrup digs deep into this in one of my favorite books called Do Less. I'll put that in the show notes. But I wanted to touch on it because it is so important to our productivity or lack thereof. So the second one I wanted to talk about is this action doing producing energy, which is kind of my wheelhouse. This is what I talk about most of the time. As I said, I was always trying to be action-oriented at work because that's what the job descriptions called for. That's what leaders were always talking about. They told us to be action-oriented. And what this means for women who are trying to make it in a man's world is we also try to be action-oriented all the time. So we are in the masculine energy of task-oriented work and producing all the time. And it stops us from using our intuition. If you are in action and busy, you can't access your intuition. So one of the ways that this affects women in the workplace is they they hesitate to make decisions. So most workplaces emphasize fact-based decisions. Collect all the information, look at the data, run scenarios, and make a decision. And while in every company I ever worked in, they talked about how decision-making is an art, they didn't ever honor the fact that at the end of the day, that art is intuition. We look at all the data, we look at all the scenarios, but then we make an intuitive decision. But what trips so many women up is they're so busy trying to block their intuition because we're told that that is not valuable. So they base their decisions on facts and they keep looking at the numbers to make a decision from the numbers, expecting to find the answer there. Because God forbid, if they make a decision from their intuition and it's wrong, that's going to be really embarrassing and shameful. So better to make, first of all, they they keep looking for the right decision in the numbers, but at least then if they make a bad decision, the numbers back up the bad decision. And so we get stuck in unnecessary analyzing. I never thought I was an overanalyzer because I'm a big picture kind of a person, but when I saw overanalyzing this way as Hesitating to make decisions because I kept collecting more information and looking for the answer in the data, 
I realized how sneaky it is. I was an overanalyzer and I still can be. So that is a sneaky way that this masculinizing the action and doing energy, that masculine energy can really limit our feminine power and our our ability to make decisions and show that we're leaders. Of course, staying in action also makes us exhausted because we need rest. We need time to imagine. And I'll get to that in a second. But it keeps us pushing and struggling to get to the strategic work. And most of the time, like I was always frustrated with my lack of energy and time to be strategic. And it was because I was constantly trying to prove my value with this action. I was trying to prove that I'm enough in this masculine workplace with action. So that's how this action-oriented masculine energy keeps us limited. I've also touched on this logic versus emotion or logic versus intuition in that as well. So the last one I'm going to talk about is producing versus creating, because there's a fine line between this. The way I see it, producing is about tangible outcomes. For us, it's often reports, analysis, the problems that have been solved, the outputs like ad campaigns and numbers. I have delivered my targets. That's producing. Creating is also taking action, but it's taking action from an inspired place. It's imagining something in the future and then manifesting it. And manifest comes from the word many, which is make. So it's creating something from nothing. And that has a different energy to it than producing all the time. But we don't so many women that I've worked with and that I watch, they don't have time to create because they're so busy working on those tangible tasks to prove their value and their masculinity in a man's world that they don't take the time to envision a future, to envision a project, and just allow themselves to imagine. Because that would be lazy, right? Sitting back and thinking and imagining. We're always told in class, at school, like the daydreamer was always told to stop daydreaming and come back to the class and focus. So we've been trained to produce test results, um, essays, all that stuff in school. So it's our feminine energy that we need to embrace if we're going to be a leader. Because that's what leaders do. They create a vision. They share the vision. And that inspires people to follow them. If you're just producing all the time, people don't want to follow you. Because all they see is a frenzied woman running around doing all the time. It's tiring to watch them. I'm sure it was tiring to watch me. I know my husband tells me that he gets tired watching me at home. Still, because I still fall into this trap at work and at home. At home, I'm just producing other stuff like loads of folded laundry and... Dishes put away in a clean house. So those are three ways that masculinizing really plays a role in limiting 
women from getting to the top. It's the difference between linear and cyclical energy, action and logic versus intuition and emotion, and producing versus creating. So that's all I want to talk about for today. I've got some guests lined up in the next few weeks that are going to dig into some of these topics even more closely than what we did, what I did today. And I would love to hear if any of this resonated with you. So drop me a direct message on Instagram at Jen Reimer Leadership and let me know what you think. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. If this episode was helpful for you, share it with a friend or a colleague. You can also share it on your social. Just screenshot it and tag me at Jen Reimer Leadership. And of course, rate and subscribe to this podcast. I'll chat with you soon.